Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the uh, of the North Coat Dynamics podcast. Um, so this week we've got uh, our man in the US. Um, we've got uh, got a guy called Andy Clark. Um, so Andy uh, and I know each other for a relatively short period of time, but we we were introduced by a mutual friend uh, in the UK who I've known for, for for much longer. Andy, hello. Hi, John. How are you doing? And of course, you're going to notice my very strong Texan accent here. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Very yeah, you've not you've been in Texas for how long and you've not got any kind of uh, almost almost <laughs> ten years. In, well, in, in and, the and US, you sound British, more, yeah, more in English the US, than me. Yeah, British accents are a, uh, a a source of differentiation here. <laughs> so it's yeah, that, uh, yeah, exactly. Quite a nice thing, isn't it? But um, but yeah, no. So um, so Andy, so for purpose of people who who don't know, so Andy and I um. We've, we've done a bit of work in the US together, which is great, um, even after having known each other for a relatively short period of time. But we, we both know, uh, we've got a mutual friend um, in the UK that, that you work closely with Andy, that I've worked with in the past as well. So, um, yeah, it was great to be introed. And, and um, yeah, for the purpose of people listening, could you sort of give a summary of your your skill set and how you've come to sort of be where you are today? Yeah, sure. Well, it's a long, short story, which I'm going to cut short. Um, <laughs> skill set, it's it's a classic mix for somebody who's been around the block a few times, I guess. So, you know, it's a mix of management. Um, I've just general management. I've done a fair bit of project management and consulting. Um, I've done a fair bit of sales and pre-sales and I've you know worked mm. in different organizations. So, you know, worked for Unisys for a while. So that was with a you know very bespoke construction focused application mm. and doing a fair bit of system integration work. Um, then moved on to SAP. So that's very much pre-sales based. And obviously that was uh, mm. um, squarely ERP, actually with a little bit of CRM involved. Yeah. And then spent some time at Microsoft. Um, so I mm. worked for what what back then was Microsoft Business Solutions, um, and it became mm. Dynamics while I was there. Um, and I ran part of the partner channel and the part of the partner channel that goes out and recruits new partners to go help, you know, grow the business. Oh, so, so right. That was my role. So I wow. managed a, uh, a PAM team there. I also managed pre-sales as well for a while. Then moved on to look after what was at the time, again, a BPOS, which was Business Productivity Online Suite within corporate accounts, and that became um, Office 365. Um, wow, so, so seven, so, seven yeah. odd years at Microsoft, that's a long time, fantastic. So you even yeah. remember when, so doing doing the partner stuff, so speaking to a lot of the, you know, the household names that we all would know in the UK now, when they were just getting into offering Microsoft Dynamics, that's amazing. Yeah, and I think when I look at the partners that are there now, a number of names uh, I didn't know at all. I mean, you know, the mm. big challenge we had back then, and this was about 10 years ago, was just making sure that we had the right amount of partners in the right amount of areas, frankly, mm. to be able to go and sell license. Because if there weren't enough bodies out there to go and service the implementations, then it was difficult to go and sell the license. And you need to make sure that you don't have too many partners out there um, mm -hmm. because then it just gets too competitive and becomes a zero sum game. Um, but at the same time, you need to have enough. So we had to work, you know, pretty hard as, as any channel organization does on mm -hmm. making sure that you've got the right organizations in the right place with the right skills to go and service the customers and, and to go and deal with the trends that you see. 
Okay. So the, these days, you're the CEO of Clearly Solutions. Um, I know what you guys do, but um, some of our listeners might, yeah. not, might not know. Um, yeah. what, what, what is Clearly Solutions and what do you guys do? Yeah, so we're a Power BI partner. Um, so we do business intelligence work, which we do all on Power BI right now. So, and that mm-hmm. involves working with customers to go and take their data from many sources to go and build up logical models around that and to make sure that data is clean and correct and can be presented within Power BI. Oh, awesome. So it's not just Dynamics that you guys or, or the Microsoft sort of family that you guys would feel at home working with. It's, it's other applications as well, right? We, 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 yeah, we have to work with all kinds of data. So, for example, at the moment, I'm talking to a customer that's got um, Oracle and JD Edwards in there at the moment. Um, uh-huh. And we have to go and bring in data from all kinds of places, whether that be you know, social media, for example. There's you know, more and more calls to go and get that type of data in there. Um, mm-hmm. Geographical data is very common these days. Um, so, you know, working around oil and gas in the US, a lot of product is moved around via rail car. Um, and, you know, these rail car journeys can take two, three weeks. So, knowing where a rail car is geographically at any one time or where it's uh-huh. going to arrive at a customer come back. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's data from all types of sources that we deal with and, and not just Microsoft, although mainly Microsoft. So, but you guys obviously have a, a base in the UK as well. So, how how important is it that you guys can operate both in in the US and in North America? The flexibility is important for us to have, depending on where the work is, where the projects are. So, you know, having teams in both countries that can service both countries is serving us very well. Um, and I think we're at a point whereby people aren't particularly hung up on where the people are as long as they're good. And it means Hmm. that, you know, we have to deal with unsociable hours in terms of work hours, meetings, um, because we're working across time zones. But it's it's getting, I think, very normal these days that you're talking to somebody in a different country, whether that's a client or whether that's a client talking to a consultant. And of course, COVID has, you know, accelerated that because, you know, people aren't really having meetings right now so everything is done via teams Mm. so therefore you know you have to ask fundamental questions about does it really matter where i'm geographically located as long as i've got a good internet connection and that's going to be kind of interesting when we start getting back to some normality Mm. whether whether uh, we get back to having physical meetings i mean i think we've been moving away from that for years and years and years anyway um so yeah, so 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 having consultants, you know, in different countries isn't a problem these days. So I like what you said about you know some companies these days don't care you know where you are as as well don't care where the candidates are or whether 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 where the suppliers are as long as they're good. I think yeah. that's a massively important point because um, it, it could lead to cost savings. Like you know you don't need expensive offices, you don't need expensive travel budgets, you don't need all sorts. Um, and it yeah. and it could it I mean. I, I personally, I mean, my opinion, my opinion is it could make, it could benefit the, 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 the smaller consultancy over the larger one or the larger supplier over the, or the smaller supplier over the larger one because the smaller ones are more agile, able to yeah. adapt to that. They haven't got all these clunky overheads and big old models. Um, what, what are your thoughts? 
I think that's absolutely <laughs> the case um, because, you know, I, okay, I do have an office in Houston, but when the lease is up on that, it will probably go. Mm. Um, so that means that we can be far more cost competitive and it will be therefore interesting to see what the big consultancies do. Because I think there are signs already that you know, if we look at an example, like, you know, the Googles, Facebooks, those organizations telling their employees that, you know, they can work from home and, you know, there is, that they haven't got dates to go back to the office. So, you know, they mm. they are going to start getting some cost advantages from that as well. I think what's going to be interesting is going to be how this affects salaries. You know, so if we look yep. at, you know, so think about Salesforce as a, as a San Francisco based organization whereby property prices and cost of living are just crazy there. So for them to have local employees, you know, they have to go and pay a commensurate salary to go and deal with that. Mm -hmm. um, but if all of a sudden those employees don't need to go to the office, do they need to be living in that location? And therefore, if they move to mm. somewhere which is fundamentally cheaper, does it mean salaries come down? I think there's going to be, you know, a huge rebalancing of the job market. And I think, I think it was happening already. And I think COVID has accelerated it. No, I think that's massively important, especially about the property prices. You know, Silicon Valley famously is is so expensive, but actually, do you even need to be there? No. Um, yes. So you're, yeah. So looking at you, I mean, yeah, the, the seven years of Microsoft really stands out for me. But you know, obviously, pre-sales at SAP was was massively beneficial to. Uh, to, to to doing as well as you did at Microsoft, but um, look, I mean, looking back at back at your career, a lot of people maybe are listening and thinking, well, you know, Andy's Andy's having a great time now. He's doing really good. Um, how how do I how do I do that? So, what would your okay, what would your condensed advice be to people? Maybe starting out, maybe you know, working within a larger partner, wanting to progress within Microsoft Consulting. It's a really good question. Um, I think there's a number of things you need to think about. I think, look, technical skills and certifications, I think, are really important. I know we've had this chat in the past about certifications, mm. for example, that you don't get asked an awful lot for them. Mm. Um, but, but for me, the benefit of certifications is just breadth of knowledge. If you've got to pass a certification, you generally have to learn the whole lot even if yep. you don't use it um, and I think that's really important so staying on top of your skill set is really important if I look back at my career um, and I wasn't aware of this at the time but I learned it after working with big companies taught me a lot of discipline and, and I know you've worked with big organizations mm. as well John and yeah you know you know they do things in a certain way and I, I realized after how important that was because I just did things and I still do things in a big company, disciplined, to a certain extent, regimented way. And, and that's a good thing. Um, so I think, you know, getting that is good. And if you can get to work with, you know, a larger organization and get some discipline, I think that's a really good thing to have. So, so I just go through search discipline. And I think mm. the other, the, the big thing I think you need to think about these days is how you differentiate yourself. Um, and social media, whether that be, you know, doing what we're doing now, podcast wise or YouTube and whatever else is becoming mm. really important. And you notice those individuals that are promoting themselves by doing good work on the likes of a YouTube. And if I think about Power BI, I'm thinking about, um, uh, Marco Russo and Alberto Ferrari, for example, or, mm -hmm. uh, Reza Rad with Radicad, you know, they have put an awful lot of time and effort in terms of 
including online tutorials, um, blog posts, and all kinds of stuff like that. And, you know, there are a certain number of names that stand out above everybody else. Now, as you and I well know, that is a huge investment of time and a huge investment of time that is relentless um, mm -hmm. because you just have to keep on doing it. But what it means is that everybody knows your name. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, with that, then you probably come up for things like Microsoft MVP awards or, you know, what else yep. are that? And that means that you can charge a, you know, a higher rate for your services or your employer can charge a higher rate for your services. So I think absolutely look at doing that, but just beware because it takes a lot of time and effort. And if I think about our podcast, which is, a, you know, what we're doing now, it's a 30 minute podcast, but there's probably another mm. three, four hours plus that goes into it and it's got to be done on yeah, a regular basis. Yeah. So um, yeah. it takes a lot of time and effort. And the other thing that I'd recommend somebody and this is for, I mean, any vendor, but we're talking Microsoft right now, is to get to know the vendor and get to know the employees of the vendor and get to know the people within the vendor. You know, raise your profile within Microsoft, yep. you know, within the people within that area. I think that's a really important thing to do. I, I like what you said. I liked a lot of what you said, actually, but a couple of things stand out for me. Um, the, the first bit was raising, well, actually, the second bit was raising profile, what you just said, but the, the first bit was discipline. Um, and actually, you and I did a, yeah. a, a podcast along with um, a couple of other people at, um, at Cloudy uh, before Christmas. And the, yeah. the point was raised about hiring hiring people. Um, and actually, I, I am also at the point where I'm, I'm looking at hiring people as well, right? So it's, it's relevant for all of us. And I think we all agreed that I would rather <laughs> I'd rather speak to someone who has accountability so you're looking like, like you said about your your point about working for you know a large organization it teaches you discipline well actually I, I think yeah accountability discipline same sort of thing right um yeah so it makes you accountable every single day i'd rather speak to someone who has discipline who has accountability and zero experience but willingness to learn than someone who's got 15 years of, of recruitment experience with a, a low level of accountability it would just drive me up the wall um yeah. and but you, actually you can, teach, you can teach skills not character though can't you abs absolutely and you know i think that the advice we gave to people on that podcast which is coming out soon right Andy? it's um it's monday it's, yeah. monday awesome there you go look yeah. out for it um it's it's you know just be aware of those those things you know be aware of being accountable be aware and be aware of having discipline because they are way more important um, than having those hard skills, soft skills over hard skills when you're starting out any day of the week. Yeah, um, and the raising, raising the profile that. bit, raising profile, hugely important um, because if you don't self-promote, no one's going to know who you are. Um, and actually, yeah. you, you just need to keep um, working yourself. And, and just, you know, but I keep on coming back to just understand how much time and effort mm. it takes to do it. You know, mm. I know that I'll be spending three to four hours tomorrow morning which will be saturday um yep. editing chopping up getting the podcast sounding great to go out on monday um and that's yep. every saturday and then i've also i've also got to write out the show notes after that um and you know we're doing it because we believe the effort in terms of time is absolutely worth it um mm. but <laughs> it's a big investment in terms of time and don't forget that there's no easy way to doing it and also also yeah. remember that it takes time for it to happen you know you know you you, you are incredibly hands-on on linkedin for example you put a lot of time mm. and effort and thought into it as well 
you know you're not one of those individuals that you know just repost stuff all the time which i think is a you know a, a bit of a lazy approach um to getting stuff out there on linkedin um but it takes time and effort to go and do it um but and and, mm -hmm. and it takes you know it takes time in terms of you know when you start it you know you can be doing it for six months and not see a significant benefit uh, you know it mm -hmm. takes you know it can take a year plus you know to really reap the rewards of that but when you do you've built i think an incredibly solid foundation for everything else that you go and do yeah i think as, as yeah as a character as a character point i think it's massively important to people um so right okay so you've been dealing with recruiters longer than i've been a recruiter maybe <laughs> i don't know um so this isn't a recruitment podcast it never will be but actually speaking to different yeah. people it's hugely important to get um different people's thoughts um and sure. kind of bring it all together so in terms of advice to recruiters who you've spoken to over the years um what would you what would you say to people in recruitment to to, to start doing keep doing and uh, i'll ultimately stop doing handy keep doing sorry start uh, doing keep doing stop doing yeah really interesting and and i think the the points i'm going to come up with are probably the same for many things in business but there's one differential which i'll come on to yeah so build a long-term relationship i think is really important with somebody you know to recruit because if you've got a good relationship with somebody you know you'll go back to them so you know focus mm. on the long-term relationship it's not just you know about how can i transactionally go and fulfill sorry yeah. fill a role for you immediately um it's how can we work together long term i think that that's a really important thing and john you made a really interesting point on our podcast that the average recruiter i think their career span is two years correct yeah yeah correct. and that for me is telling in itself it really is um because you know you don't build long-term relationships with people that have been there for two years so you know mm. I, it, it may be you know it takes a certain type of individual that's going to be in it for the long term that you're going to have that relationship with but really focus on a long-term relationship is a big thing uh fundamentally understand a client requirement is another one mm. i don't know how many times that i've asked for a certain set of skills for somebody and i've had cvs or resumes that don't map on to what i've asked for and it's, right. it's a common mistake which i think is you know you've asked for something oh i haven't got that so let's just go and send everything i've got and hope we get away with it <laughs> um yeah which i don't yeah. think is a good sales tactic because you've got a wasted time looking through all of these all of these documents and thought okay well i haven't got what i needed i'd sooner somebody come back to me and say look okay we've got these individuals with these experiences they don't tick all the boxes and here's how to set my expectation properly about that um so i think just listen understand the requirement is really important yeah um, so, you know, that's a very good point yeah, yeah. I, I was just gonna say not do yeah oh, sorry, sorry john andy. you go no sorry andy i was i was being rude and interrupting i was i was just gonna say about that you know about the the lots of cvs being sent to you i think my old manager used to pull his hair out because i used to send so few cvs um, they'd all have really, they'd all um, sort of get interviews and turn around and, and hopefully place, but I'd send so few. Um, but it's it's because I, I just tried to nail it every, every single time, which maybe was the wrong thing to do. But yeah. actually, I think that's probably where it's going in the future anyway. Sorry, Andy, carry on. Yeah, no, look, you know, 10 years in, you're successful. So I think that that, that tells its own story. 
Um, in terms of not do, I think for me, the aggressive approach, constant calls, emails, um, mm. I think that is just frustrating. And, and it's almost, there's, you know, a view in sales, which is, well, if we're not talking to the client, the client is talking, you know, to somebody else. Well, you know, right. sometimes the client's yeah. doing their day job. Um, so mm. just being called multiple times in the day um, or being emailed multiple times a day, it's just frustrating. But I know there are a number of the bigger recruitment agencies that do it. They still do it. Um, and I guess there must be some aspect to it which is successful, but not for me. In terms of maybe do more of or do differently. Okay, mm. so I believe that you know whatever you're working in, you know if you're in business, then having good relationships with good recruiters is really important. And not just due to staffing requirements, I, you know, the basic of what you'd expect, but mm. in terms of understanding the market and understanding what's going on out there. And, and one of the things that, you know, that you do, John, and, you know, um, good recruiters do is they're constantly in touch with their clients. They're building relationships, understanding what they're doing and understanding what the market is doing. And I think if you've got a good recruiter, they probably understand the general market in terms of what's going on better than most people. Um, because you talk to so many individuals and I'm sure if you know if somebody asks you to talk through what's happening with the UK dynamics market for example at the moment you know you would have an incredibly well-informed um, view that you know you'd articulate very well oh, I'd like to think so I'll, I'll talk their ear off but yeah I'd like to I'd like to think so I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there are some who can do it way way better than me but no I, I do take your point yeah um, but yeah I think um yeah, so I think that's, I think those are all very good, important points, Andy. Actually, but um, so I'm gonna. I've I'm, got one more actually. Yeah, go on. So I've got ask one you. more yeah. on to do. Yeah, um, be innovative. Um, mm. I think the recruiter model, which is paying X percent of you know year one salary and whatever else, can be a scary thing to go into in terms mm. of you know paying for that and not knowing if somebody can, will work out. And I'm think that there are you know there, there's probably other models that will work let me give you an example so you know mm. a previous company i worked for we had a three-year um three-year um out uh, outsourcing contract to go and look after a salesforce in, in uh, instance for an organization mm -hmm. so it's a charity in central london needed somebody on site at all times and the problem they had was you know it's a not-for-profit organization so you know their ability to pay salaries wasn't incredibly high against you know at the time it was a booming salesforce market whereby people were getting paid very very yes. well um so we took on a three-year project and the issue we had then was okay so if we need to have somebody on site for three years um then my biggest risk is if people are just coming and going all the right. time and every time somebody <laughs> comes and goes, I've got to pay a recruiter. So my recruitment costs could be absolutely crazy. If we went through 10 Salesforce admins in a three-year yep. period, then, you know, that, that project, that yeah. contract has lost a loads of money. And what I managed to agree, which I thought was innovative and still do, was something with a recruiter, which is, look, I will pay you a set amount on a monthly basis. Mm -hmm. And throughout that entire contract, so it's almost almost a, you know an insurance. So it's a retainer, really. It's, that's term. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And and if we have ten people, 
come and go throughout the project, then then so be it. You know, that, that individual will have to go and find 10 people. If we have one, then so be it. That person doesn't have to do anything for that, for, for you know, that set amount of money on a monthly mm. basis. And that worked really well. And I think, you know, I think said individual did well out of it because we managed to go and keep, I think we went through two individuals on that particular contract. Um, but it's just, and it is an approach that I really needed at the time to go and make this contract work for my business. Um, and somebody was able to be innovative. So I, I liked, you know, I I liked that point. Um, so that's that's something that I've come across it before, yes, but I've, I've only ever come across it because it's been suggested by a recruiter, never been suggested by a client. I really like that. It, but, it, but it illustrates the two-way relationship that should exist between uh, a, a supplier um, and a client. Um, because it is a two-way yeah. street. It's got to be a two-way street. And by doing yeah. it that way, um, by doing it the way you did it, that recruiter is is economically motivated, for want of a better expression, yeah. to, 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 to try and find a, not just the best person for the job, but to find someone who will stay as long as possible because the payoff for them is going to be yeah. maximized. So, yeah, great. Yes. Yeah, ab- absolutely great. And And I would say that, leads into sort of another uh, field which we won't go into today about um you know different different ways of working and actually is is the is the 15% you know uh is is the era of 15% of salary using 10 recruiters per role is that over yeah i think it probably is covid's probably shown that yeah. and it's it's, it's recruitment's yeah. experience quite a big shakeout where quite a few bad recruiters are have kind of been forced out um, because the model of 15% um, was propagated by very large agencies who, who tend to not make much money off of it. Um, so the, mo- the moment the economy takes a, a hit and there's a downturn, um, that they, they have nothing to, they have no cushion, nothing to, to fall back on. So no, yeah. you're absolutely right. And hopefully, hopefully um, the, the recruitment market will change for the better. Um, but yeah, I think it's going in the sure. in the right direction. But yeah, I'll, what I'll do, Andy. Yeah. So for benefit of everyone here, I'll post this on on LinkedIn and tag you as well. Um, is it okay if if people who've been listening to this want to ask you about anything at all, contact you directly? Is that okay, Andy? Please do. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So if you tag me in LinkedIn, you can get me that way. If not, Andy.Clark. It's Clark without an E at Clearly Solutions. Marvellous. All right. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that's tagged. Anything else before we wrap up? Andy? I know you've got an important client call. <laughs> but uh, anything, yeah. anything else to add before you, before you leave? No, that's good. Marvellous. Andy, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll make sure this is up and we'll tag you. All right. Thanks, Andy. Right. Thanks very much, Bye. John. Bye. All right. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.